This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. To the Leslie Marshall Show. Obviously, I am not Leslie. She is away today, but I am Danielle, and I'm here with Shano, and we're doing our best to sit in Leslie's chair. So hopefully, you'll hang out with us today. We have a great show, great guests in store for you, and we want to know your thoughts about all of it at eight 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 six Leslie. So be sure to give us a call. Talking GOP debate, of course, is the big subject this week, and there is nobody better than David Bender. Uh, longtime progressive host, strategist, political pundit, political director of Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn, and now Gling documentary filmmaker. Latest work is Playing Gay, How America Came Out on Television, and you can support that fine work over on Kickstarter. David, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Danielle, it's a pleasure. I'm going to give you a little bit of David Verite at the moment. I'm at the Denver airport, and they're going through my change, but apparently my change has passed muster. So uh, you're going through security with me. Uh, we'll do this live on the air. I think it's the first for the Leslie Marshall Show, and I want to thank Virgil for his kindness here, the security officer at TSA, who just got me through. Well, David, uh, if they, if they, David, if they do the really intimate search part, we will let you go for that part. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, if they do that, we're going to do that live on the air. Yes. Like, I mean, that's much better rating. Than <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Well, it is great. It is great to hear you guys and and to talk. You know, we are we're 48 hours away, and you may be able to tell me has the uh, the Republican Party, and by that I mean Roger Ailes and Fox News, yet announced the criteria by which the top 10 as of last night they had not and i don't know if it's been come across the wire yet do we know who's made the cut for this debate we will know at 5 p.m in fact they're they're kind of rolling it out a lot like march madness in the brackets on a sunday you know in the beginning of march when all the basketball teams find out whether they made it to the big dance uh, and if you look over there at their site, the, the cutoff is 5 p.m. And so far from what I can call the, the determination we made on the most recent five national polls averaged. And so they're waiting to see if any more of those polls come in in between now and 5 p.m. In other well, words, we know, we, know, we know that some of the polls have refused to do it. Monmouth, for example, uh, and others are now saying, Maris, have said they're not going to play. So they're they're withholding this because they think they're misusing, as of course they are, the data. It's all margin of error. They're yes, making this up. Exactly. And does anybody really think that uh, this isn't going to be manipulated to be the 10 candidates that Fox wants on the stage and thinks will bring them the highest ratings? I mean, is anybody, anybody believe otherwise? 
Well, anybody, anybody, I don't know. I think it's. I, I think there's a lot of horse trading that's going on. I'm told that people are lobbing calls in. Rudy Giuliani's calling Roger Ailes. You, you got to remember. And again, having served in the second Grover Cleveland administration, <laughs> uh, I, I did not. I did not serve in the first term, but I, I, I was there for the second. Uh, Grover and I used to talk about this all the time. And here's here's what we do know. We know that this is all about Roger Ailes' power. And Roger Ailes started Fox News having started the marketing of Richard Nixon, the new brand in 1968. That's how Roger Ailes got into uh, this entire business. And so for him, this is an extension of his whole life. This is the apotheosis of Roger Ailes. This is his chance to say, I'm going to decide who the Republican nominee and possibly next president is. Uh, it wasn't enough to manage or do the media for it. He's now put himself in the situation of literally being the kingmaker. Yeah, I think right now we're seeing Roger Ailes versus the Koch brothers to see who gets to determine uh, the future of the Republican Party. And and I think that everything we see play out in this election cycle should be kind of taken through that lens or or a similar lens. Any thoughts on that? I, well, I, first off, I'd love to see a cage match with, with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would that, sell some pay-per-view tickets. That's that that is that's a moneymaker right there. You know, Roger Ailes has the most security of any man in America. He's he, he quite wisely travels in vans with huge amounts of security because he has chosen this role for himself, and it is not it is not a popular one. Uh, in fact, many of uh, the Republicans who are running for president are very angry. Whether this, you know, uh, ultimately has an impact on on Fox News, I don't know. But this is not this is not passing the smell test, which is why so many of them showed up in New Hampshire, and we saw not a debate because it wasn't sanctioned, but we saw uh, sort of speed dating at St. Anselm with with the Republican candidates. And and you know, uh, uh, Shane and Danielle, I, I have to say, uh, I I had forgotten. How good at the soundbite Lindsey Graham could be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Lindsey, Lindsey Graham, a former prosecutor, and he had been involved in the prosecution of Bill Clinton uh, in the impeachment trial. Lindsey Graham uh, took his five minutes at St. Anselm to, to try out some lines that are going to play really well if he can get them out on Thursday night. Things like, I know how to speak Clinton. I've been doing it for 20 years. When he says, I didn't have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, he means he did. When she says she can't find her emails, that means that there are plenty more to be found. Uh, that's, that's the Lindsey Graham we're going to see, and he could have a breakout moment. Yeah, uh, if, he it makes, was, if he makes it through the cut. Yeah, it was certainly um, a, a, a test of macho-ness uh, yesterday evening in New Hampshire. And it was, uh, you know, quite a few candidates on stage just trying to see who could out-tough the other one. There wasn't a lot of policy discussion. It was definitely the speed dating, uh, uh, <laughs> you know. It, it, I don't know how much you can really encapsulate and, and understand about a candidate in 20-second sound bites, but uh, I actually thought it was hilarious because of all the tough ones on stage, I think Carly Fiorina probably would have taken the uh, prize. She did very well. She did very well and, and of course, came out uh, against Planned Parenthood like they all did. You know, you, you love to see a woman who's uh, against, against women's health care. 
Yeah, again, yeah. women's health care. That, that really, that, that resonates. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 I agree with you. I think she did well. I think that, it, you know, it, but we only saw little sound bites. Uh, I, I found Rachel's coverage very interesting, as I always do. Rachel uh, just uh, clipped together all of the hard scrabble upbringing stories. Uh, Marco <laughs> Rubio's that. parents who, you know, uh, were, were uh, his father was a bartender, his mother was a maid. Ted Cruz, his father, uh, uh, on that boat looking back at years of oppression in Cuba. Uh, and, of course, John Kasich, my father, the mailman who carried the world on his back. It, it, that was the, the light motif of last night in New Hampshire is how far these people have come. And we, we also know that they're willing to go as far as it takes and say almost anything to win this Republican nomination. Do you think last night's event, the Voters First Forum in New Hampshire held on C-SPAN, will have any effect on the, the Fox debates and the, the polling numbers? Or do you think that that is pretty much already, you know, simmered in on who we should expect on Thursday night on Fox? <laughs> You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, these Hail Mary moments, if there's another poll that has been done since then, but they'd have had to have been in the field uh, today. So the answer is I, I don't think it really does have an impact. Uh, what, what we see here is that when you have a Lindsey Graham moment, when someone clearly shows, this guy's been in the Senate for, for I, I don't know the number of terms, but long enough to, and, and he has, whether you agree with him or not, he has the credentials to be president. The fact that he may not be on the stage and Donald Trump is, is, is an absurdity beyond words. Yes. But that's the way they're working this. Lindsey Graham belongs on that stage. You need him on that wall. <laughs> It does remind me, though, of sports. I go back to the sports analogy yes. that sometimes when they're putting the bowls together, let's say the, the, the New Year's Day polls, that they'll put certain uh -huh. teams in there that just aren't as good because they know there's a huge alumni base out there that's going to tune in. So it, for me, this seems less about politics and far, far, far more about getting as many eyes as possible on Fox News and as many advertising dollars to Fox News. And it's not really about the democratic process. Oh, of course not, and and you need to call that the Democrat process. <laughs> uh, it, it, but but in fact, this is going to be hugely rating. I never watch Fox. I I, I have no masochistic streak, uh, but I'm going to be watching every minute of it. And they they did exactly what they intended to do. The numbers are going to be the highest numbers they've ever had on that channel. Uh, and much of it is has nothing to do with anything but Donald Trump. They want yes. to see how Donald Trump does. He's, by dint of being first, if they do this the way they do every other debate, he'll be in the center. Right. He mm. will be flanked on either side by probably Jeb Bush and Scott Walker. Right. Uh, clowns to the left of me, <laughs> jokers to the right. There he is. I think to some degree this might work out well for Republicans because if they're going against the the quote unquote uh, Republican terminology here the Clinton machine and the 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 wealth and power etc then they can rail against it like they're talking about Hillary or like they're talking about Trump and either way a lot of those talking points are going to stick and I think that's also why we saw the um, uh, the trail of bread bags on her on her feet yesterday in New Hampshire about how they've all come from such uh, you know destitute uh, points yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. The, the problem they've got with Donald Trump is the same 
Oddly enough, it, it, the analogy is, is creating Frankenstein's monster. Yes. You will remember vividly that four years ago, Mitt Romney prostrated himself and went to Las Vegas appropriately to claim the Trump endorsement and, and metaphorically kiss the ring. They elevated this guy. Yeah. And now they're, they're, they're waving their pitchforks like the villagers saying, no, no, he's, he's a menace, he's a danger. But the villagers created him. Yeah. There's no Dr. Frankenstein. This was, this was all done by the Republican Party who gave him that power, wanted him to be on their side, and now they are reaping the whirlwind. It's, it's it, the, the danger for them, and, and this is, frankly, the joy for any Democrat and certainly for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and we need to talk about Joe Biden and maybe after the break, but for, for any Democrat looking at this, you see Donald Trump and you see just nothing but trouble for the Republican nominee, because if they beat him to a pulp now, he runs as an independent. Yeah. If they let him continue credibly, weirdly enough, and I heard Howard Dean say this last night, he said, you know, I may have underestimated him. He could win the nomination. And I find myself agreeing with Howard. It yeah. is not inconceivable he could win the nomination. Either way, it's great for the Democrats. I can't disagree with you, and I'm intrigued uh, to get your opinion on so much more and hear about this amazing new documentary that you are touring for. So we're going to get into that after the break. We're speaking with David Bender. This is The Leslie Marshall Show, and we'll be back with more. Stick around. Share your opinions with Leslie Marshall at 888-6-LESLIE. Don't have a phone handy? Then email us your opinion. Visit our website at www.lesliemarshall.us. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. And welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Danielle and Shano sitting in for Leslie, and we are still joined by the one, the only, the talented, the brilliant David Bender, uh, uh, among so many other points I can put in the title, uh, political director of Progressive Voices and Creator, filmmaker, documentary uh, filmmaker of his latest work, Playing Gay, How America Came Out on Television. Check it out at playinggay.com and support it on Kickstarter. Uh, David, before we run out of time, please share the good news about this amazing documentary. You guys are, are uh, kicking butt over there on Kickstarter, no pun intended. Well, we are uh, getting a lot of support, and it's, it's quite wonderful. And one of the people who's been really supportive of this project, because she's going to be interviewed in it as well, is Rachel Maddow. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and the short version of this is that I've been trying for about 20 years. I thought it would be a book, but it is now a documentary film to tell the story of the power that these images uh, that I had, uh, that I saw growing up, literally, I was a teenager still closeted in the 70s when the first positive gay images came on television, All in the Family, a TV movie with Hal Holbrook and Martin Sheen called That Certain Summer. I've now interviewed all these people who've been a, been a part of this process from the beginning. One of them uh, was Norman Lear, who wrote a script uh, in that first season of All in the Family, the first time there was a positive gay character on television. Uh, and Norman 
Blessing has been just incredibly supportive of this effort, has helped me reach other artists, people like Billy Crystal, Tom Hanks, people to be interviewed. But what we're doing is to tell how these images have changed hearts and minds. And, and that is truly the power of television. When, when you invite it into your home, suddenly people who never thought they knew a gay person. And back when I was growing up, the polls said one out of four Americans thought they knew someone who was gay. Only one out of four. Those numbers were reversed by the end of the 90s after Ellen bravely came out, after Will and Grace was on the air. Everything changed. And three out of four Americans suddenly knew a gay person. Yeah. And much of the time, the person that they knew was on television. <laughs> so that's what playing gay is about. That's why I'm so excited to be telling the story because it's very personal. It is, it is my, my passion project. Uh, and I've waited a long time to tell it, and that's what we're doing. And if people go to playinggay.com, they can see clips from it. Uh, it is a work still in progress, but we're going to finish it with, uh, with people's help. And there's support, and, and we have two weeks to do it, so I hope people will go right now to blangay.com and help us out. Absolutely. I, I encourage you to do so. And it's so amazing that if you think back to when those first uh, powerful, positive images came out on television and where we are today, going into uh, the, the next presidential election, how attitudes and policy has changed in that regard uh, do you think that this is going to come up in the Republican debates, in the Democratic debates? Is this uh, is this the first? The, it's, over, it's over on the Democratic side. The Republicans are still making noises, and you'll hear the Ted Cruz's and 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 the Ben Carson's uh, still railing against marriage. Uh, Rick Santorum saying that we can still. With Rachel saying that we can just overrule the Supreme Court uh, by passing uh, legislation in the Congress. And she said, Senator, you failed civics. Yeah. That's why they call it the Supreme Court. But, but they'll still debate it on the Republican side. It is settled. And they're trying, the, the wise ones are trying to not have this like immigration. They don't want any part of this because they know in the Republican Party there's a majority support for marriage equality. So it's it's uh, I, I do think it will come up, and and the more they have to talk about it, the better off Democrats are in the fall because this is a settled issue and it does motivate young voters. Yes. They vote on this. Issue. In the in the thirty seconds or so we have left, you brought up Joe Biden and you wanted to give your thoughts on him. I, I, I want to make sure I, you give I you time. Love Joe Biden. I love Joe Biden, and if Maureen Dowd's column is right, and Bo Biden before he died asked his father to run. Anyone who knows Joe Biden knows that he will do it, regardless of polling data, regardless of money. He will do it because it was his son's wish and because he thinks he'd be a good president. And you know what? I think he'd be a good president. I I cannot disagree one bit. Uh, I I have a lot of respect uh, and admiration for the man. Actually, he was my number one choice in Bill Richardson last time around in 2008. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, David, thank you so much for spending time with us. It is always a pleasure and an honor to get to speak with you. Let's do it again soon. You know we will. David Bender, go over to playinggay.com, support his amazing new documentary. We'll be back with more right here on The Leslie Marshall Show. Stick around. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Jano sitting in for Leslie today. And a big thanks to Leslie and her uh, top-notch, wonderful producers for helping make this possible. Uh, it is an honor to hang out with you guys. And filling in for Leslie Marshall, it does take a village. It does. To quote someone famous. <laughs> it does. There's a little and, shout out for everyone. Uh, thankfully, uh, lots of members of that village are contributing to the program. And quickly, I do want to mention, we want to hear your thoughts on this debate. On, on Thursday's debate, if you happen to see the uh, New Hampshire Voters First Forum. Mm-hmm. And we're, right here, we will announce... We will announce, uh, if if we get the information in time, because it should be coming up in the next half hour, who will be showing up on Thursday on the stage. Right. And I would love to know, uh, Republicans, Democrats, everywhere in between or uh, outside of, what you would like to see asked in this Fox News debate. What questions, what issues would make a difference to you and perhaps change, uh, increase, decrease your opinion of the potential candidates. Give us a call on that, 8886-LESLIE. Uh, let's jump to Dave in hum- Humboldt County, California. Uh, Dave, thanks for uh, listening to the Leslie Marshall program. Well, thank you. I had hoped to get in before Dave had to leave because I think maybe if I'm hearing you accurately, you all share some of my suspicions, and that is that uh, if the neocons that are in power behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., have the wherewithal, they have the means to uh, invade computers. They have the ability to invade the computers at the national polling sites. And surely they have the ability to jump into uh, computers which are, in effect, voting machines. Uh, Would it not be likely, or should we feel they have too much character, that they will have the poll results come out the way they want them to be? That they will have... I don't think that, that that it even takes any computer hacking or anything that sinister. I think they'll just use whichever polls they see fit, and if they they pick the right polls, uh, they can manipulate the numbers as they want. Right, because Plus, because it isn't just the most the five most recent national surveys as of five p.m. It is those that quote meet Fox News's methodological standards. So they get the discretion to pick which ones they're going to pick. If they don't like one, they call it an outlier. They'll throw it out, and they'll end up with the results they want. Maybe my suspicions are worse than yours. (laughs) Oh, I don't put it past them. I certainly don't put it past them when it comes to electronic voting machines for sure. But I just I I don't think that they even have to employ their top, uh, uh, you know, uh, hackers hackers on this one. I think that they can just plain old manipulate the information to uh, fit their needs. And for me personally, I think if we see Carly Fiorina on the debate stage at at Fox, I to me that is proof that the polls have been manipulated because I think they want her on the stage. They want to have a woman up there who can attack Hillary Clinton without looking sexist, but she has not done well in the polls. So, so far. Right, so far. So if if she is on that stage, I know that I, I don't have any proof uh, because I don't, Fox isn't going to release their methodology. Well, for... well as the, the real clear politics average as of right now has Fiorina at 1%, which ha- which puts one, two, three, four, five people on the bubble ahead of her. Ahead of her. So if she's right. on that on stage, the, that's right. my personal test. Uh, completely unscientific, of course. Well, you have one caller here who is totally confident that they have the ability to flip any number of votes to make it come out the way they want it. And I also think they're not inhibited 
by their good character. They <laughs> Good character? Are we talking about the same group of people, Dave? I think he's being sorry. <laughs> <A little> facetious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Dave, I don't disagree. We'll have to wait and see as far as no matter the, what the debate, but we can... I'm sorry. No matter what happens, there's going to be a group of... GOP candidates that are very, very angry. Yes. And they will get a platform. Actually, Fox is going to give it to them to complain about it at 5 p.m. that very day. So they know no, no matter who they put on that stage, there's going to be some ticked off people. So it's just a matter of who they want to tick off and, and, and how much money can they make by getting the most eyes on the, on the television set for them. Uh, you know, the, I don't think any of these people in the lower tier are really on Roger Ailes' list of who he'd like to be president. Right. I think, you know, he's candidate running that acts like he really does care about the people he represents that is in fact a, acting like a civilized caring human being and for sure he's not going to make it to the scene. And who would that be? Kasich. The name is escaping me at the moment. John Kasich perhaps? Yes. yes yeah. Yes. yeah. So, John Kasich uh, you know, blew things up a long time ago by telling off some people at a Coke uh, uh, meeting, Coke Brothers meeting. Yeah. I, uh, Civilized human beings and showing that he he uh, cares about others. There's a lot to we could debate here, but I don't have my uh, Ohio stats in front of me. But um, uh, Dave, at least in terms of his rhetoric, I can, rhetoric, uh, his, not policy. No, certainly not his policy. But his rhetoric is such that he even says it to the billionaires that I, I you know, he, he famously said to a, a billionaire possible donor that when it came to extending the Affordable Care Act in the state of Ohio, that he was concerned that when he got to the pearly gates and St. Peter was not going to judge him based on the size, how much, how much he reduced the size of government, but on how, what he did for the poor. So he's concerned with the poor. I think he actually probably is. His policies don't always bear that out, but his, his rhetoric certainly does. And that doesn't matter whether he's talking to uh, a group of us, a group of potential voters, or whether it's a group of potential donors. We shall have to see. Yeah. Uh, Dave, all excellent points. I, I want to quickly get uh, another call in here before we run out of time and have to go to talk radio news. Um, let's check in with Michael calling from the Bronx online, too. Michael, you had uh, some thoughts about the debate on Thursday. Absolutely. Um, first off, in terms of um, Carla Fiorina, uh, right? Yes, You're Carly right. Fiorina. Fiorina. Sounds too much like a cat food, but nothing, nonetheless. Um <laughs> You're right, she's not doing well in the post because I distinctly remembering her having her butt whipped from a progressive talk um, host that was on Meet the Press with her in, in the debate, and that was Stephanie Miller. And it was to the point that Miss Farina was engaged in a whole bunch of double talk and never knew what the hell she was talking about. Now, as far as the debates go, I can tell you one person that will not, unfortunately, will not be the moderator of that GOP debate. Do you know who that person is? One who will not be the moderator? Yep. Uh, I can think of a list of names. Who, uh, who, who is it that you're referring to? Me. Because <laughs> I will literally kick each and every one of those GOPs butts and hit them hard with just such real critical questions as to what 
the hell they've been doing to the people of this nation for almost eight years. Hit them hard on the Planned Parenthood fiasco, the um, the racism, especially towards President Barack Obama, and especially why the hell is it that they are so much justifying and favoring police abuse and racial profiling towards people of color, and now an attack on women as well. And the thing is that I would tell them, I know full well what the answer is, and the answer is that you see this as an easy way to deny the uh, minorities and women equal rights, which includes equal voting rights. And as far as um, that goes, for every person of color or woman that is a clear opponent to the GOP, for every one of them incarcerated or annihilated, heaven forbid, but we've seen too many cases of that already, that is one less opposition vote for these GOPs to face. So if it isn't bad enough that they try a whole bunch of stunts with the voter ID crap, which we know is a double standard right there. Yeah, yeah. so Michael, if you had one issue to ask them about and one issue to get the Republicans' thoughts are, it sounds to me like you uh, would like their comments on police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. Is that your thoughts, that you would like to hear what they have to say on, on that topic? Well, I would love to hear what they say about that. I would love to hear that. Why the hell is there so much against equal rights if they claim themselves to be patriotic Americans? And then I will warn them, don't try to cross the line with me because I'll be like President Obama, get the transcripts, and at the same time, you will answer my questions truthfully or honestly and honestly or otherwise be forced for me and us to crack that whip. <laughs> well, uh, Michael, I was, was going to uh, say that's one of the issues, because yeah. if we looked at last night at the forum, uh, the very first question went to Governor Rick Perry, if I remember correctly. And the question to Rick Perry was, Governor Perry, <clears throat> this question is about uh, uh, illegal immigration. What would you, as president, do about the illegal immigrants currently residing in the United States? Okay. That's a pretty tough question, I I think. And I think it's an important issue and one that I'd love to hear his answer on. But instead of answering that question, he answered what he would do at the border. He never, ever addressed it. And that's one of the other problems that we're having with our debate process. You know, that is – I'm sorry. That is a major problem right there because these Republicans, they keep talking about the border, the border. Have they – I know they know this, but – we have two borders here. We have the southern border that's USA and Mexico, and we have a northern border that's USA and Canada. And the Canadians are primarily Caucasians, the white people. And we know that the Mexicans are dark people. Why the hell is it that the Republicans are so fixated with only the southern borders and you don't even know? When you go through the U.S., how many people are actually illegals, but to them, they look like regular Americans. Right. They don't have any problem with illegal immigrants who uh, are fair-skinned, who come from Europe uh, and other areas of the world. They're just fine if you come over here. We have two physical borders. We also have two oceans oceans on either side, uh, whether people come by boat, come by airplanes, by helicopters or anything like that. So, yes, you, you make an excellent point that the, the real problem that they have is with brown people. Let's just, right. let's it, just put a fine it, point exactly, on it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, 
because I'm I'm a black man. I was born and raised here in America. Why the hell is it that I got to walk around and then some um, right-wing freak ones want to turn around and wonder, hmm, is he Muslim or does he belong here and, and yeah. things like that. And yeah, I'm Michael, I, I think you're expressing the outrage and the frustration felt by a lot of people in the minority call community. Thank you very much for the call. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and, and, and to, 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 to finish up what I was talking about, the, the questioning, that as a moderator, there, I think is a difficult balance. You know, what we're doing here, what Leslie does is an opinion show. Right. And Leslie, of course, goes on Fox News as, and there's supposed to be a moderator. The moderators, is, and you're supposed to have two different sides, and they debate back and forth. When the moderator becomes a fact checker and starts attacking, they've gone beyond moderator, and they've become an advocate. Uh, if, if, you are, if you are correcting someone on their facts, if you're attacking their position, you're now an advocate for the other side of, of whatever position they've just espoused. So it's a really delicate balance. I think it's probably one of the most difficult jobs to do in news. Yeah. Um, now, it's, it's relatively simple, I think, for Fox News hosts when they're uh, hosting a GOP debate. Yeah, I don't, re- I don't expect real hard-hitting questions on Thursday. Right. Um, you know, but the, it is a difficult thing. Remember what happened with Candy Crowley when she uh, actually – Put forward just a fact. She yes. put forward a fact. You know, this wasn't. This did not have a left-leaning bias or anything. Right-leaning bias. He or, did, or, governor. Yeah, he all he, he did refer to it as you know a, a terrorist terrorist, terrorist act. Yes. Uh, and boom, Candy Crowley. Oh, she's in the bag for Obama. All it was just stating a fact. So it really it, it's a difficult job to be in, and, and it's really easy to say, oh, I'd hit him over the, I'd hit him with this question, that question. One, they're not going to answer it. They're going to answer what they want. Two, if you go too far, then you become the story. Right. Heck, uh, when uh, Gibson looked over his glasses, because he had reading glasses, he had reading, so he looked down at his reading because he had reading glasses and looked over them and asked Sarah Palin a question. He was being condescending. How he looked over his glasses, he was attacked for. Right. But no. But uh, the the politicians themselves fail to make headlines when they don't answer the question and where they just continue to speak in, in nonsensical circular logic as was put on display uh, last night in New Hampshire. Uh, And it's very difficult to just say, no, governor, no, senator, no, X, Y, Z. You haven't answered the question. You also run the risk in a race with 14, 15, 17 candidates Mm -hmm. of simply not having time to hold them accountable. A lot of some of the more seasoned, uh, you know, uh, Sunday hosts used to say, I'll ask the question again. I'll ask the question again. Right. They do it three times, and at the end of the third one, they say, I will note that you still have not answered my question and move on. You don't have the time for that. Right. And actually, I would say these time parameters actually help the candidates because they get their, their soundbite out really very little cross-examination, so to speak, or rebuttal. Uh, they really are not able to get in any depth whatsoever or be fact-checked at least by the other people on the stage. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly agree. You know, but it's still uh, going to be fun to watch. <laughs> <It is. laughs> That's the amazing part. We may we may sit here and and and, and fetch about this, but it is going to be fun to watch. Oh yes, uh, you know, of course, it's and, debate and Friday, season. And Friday we're going to be here. We're going to have clips. Right, it's debate season, so uh, I love checking online, seeing what people are using for their quote unquote drinking game oh, word. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what it'll be, but my guess is Iran. Hmm. Uh, or sorry, Republicans speak Iran and <laughs> ISIS. Yeah, hmm. those those are my my know. thoughts. I don't uh, know. Maybe abortion. I think in liberty, freedom, or taxes. Oh, those are old old drinking game words. We need some new ones for All this right. debate season. But right. we'll get into that and more after the break with Talk Radio News here on the Leslie Marshall Show. Danielle and Shano filling in. Stick around.
Leslie Marshall, The Simple Truth in a Complicated World. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today. And joining us now is Luke Vargas of the Talk Radio News Service. He was at last night's Voters First Forum in uh, New Hampshire. Luke, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, You sent an amazing uh, list here of all types of audio that I'm sure people could probably go over to Talk Radio uh, News and check out if they missed the forum. Um, what was your general takeaway of the evening? Uh, Donald Trump not being there. You know, what was what was the big headline? My big takeaway was that the absence of Donald Trump actually hurt many of these candidates, sort of a reversal of the conventional wisdom, if you will, that all these candidates would finally have a little breathing room to introduce themselves. I actually think this reflects the extent to which Donald Trump's presence in this race is impacting the psychology of all these career politicians. They almost don't know how to brand themselves to this sort of finicky electorate without measuring themselves up against Mr. Trump. So again, I think that'll change on Thursday because that will be the culmination of several weeks of debate prep. But as it came down to yesterday, when he's not in the room, a lot of these guys lost their edge. And I think that was very palpable in sort of a muted tone by almost everyone. Yeah, it seems uh, in the past two weeks or so, maybe a little longer, um, the candidates have been kind of out crazying each other to see who can get noticed and get into this Fox debate on Thursday. Um, And it seemed very toned down last night in New Hampshire compared to the rhetoric, the crazy commercials, setting things on fire, chainsaws, phones and blenders that we have seen over the past uh, few weeks. Uh, you know, was it more exciting in person? What was the feel of the room and, and, and the reception of the New Hampshire voters? No, I think this was one of the least exciting debates <laughs> I've attended, uh, particularly as far as crowd engagement. I mean, it's, there were rules against clapping, but I've seen those violated at many debates. On Thursday, when you pack several thousand really jazzed-up supporters of these different candidates into a big arena in Ohio, people will be breaking out into applause or laughing or hooting and hollering uh, against the wishes of the moderators. That's just how these things work, and, and that adds sort of a level of excitement to it. That was missing last night. I have to say, and you know, this is, uh, again, maybe owes itself to the rather unconventional format here, which was because of those RNC rules preventing things that walk, talked, uh, or otherwise, like debates, and that's that these candidates could not be on the stage at the same time, and they each had to sort of uh, plop down on a stool and get grilled for five minutes and then walk up. It was a very tough sort of uh, way of, you know, presenting your your point of view. And I thought a lot of these candidates were trapped between two different ways of thinking. They sort of were comfortable enough to think that they could talk like they're at a town hall meeting, that they could slowly build up their arguments, something I think we saw from Chris Christie and Jeb Bush to rather mixed results. 
And some candidates, I think, were sort of jumping the gun, getting really excited for all to use all these one-liners and zingers that they've probably been repeating to themselves before bed for the past few weeks and that they're going to unveil on Thursday. So, again, I feel like a lot of these candidates really didn't have solid footing underneath them, and that resulted in some rather good politicians, uh, judging their careers, looking like sort of like novices there last night. And I would definitely put Jeb Bush in that category. Yeah, I would uh, I would say it's fair game to call this the pregame show. Um, I'm interested to see how much of it carries over, how much of these clips that you so uh, diligently, wonderfully produced will uh, could be recycled for the things that are said on Thursday. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for your amazing analysis. Um, anything real quickly in the next 10 seconds you want to add? No, head to Twitter, everyone. In a few minutes, we'll get the final confirmation from Fox and who's at that debate. But no surprise, I think uh, Christy will make it, and so will Kasich. It is the countdown. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Stick around. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I am Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today. Anxiously awaiting the the news of who made the cut in the Fox News debate. We have bought into debate. a hook, line, and sinker, have haven't we? Not? Haven't we? It's, it's awesome to watch because we have the different networks here out in the studio. You yes. Know, the, the, the little screens here and there. Uh, and and you have the news channel who is going to do the announcements, yip yap in a way, saying, thanks for the ratings. <laughs> We're the awesome. Of course, being Fox News because all the other networks then are have a window into because they're covering Fox News. Right. I mean, it used to be it used to be the the old time news people and they were mostly white. When men. news was actually news and it wasn't uh, mixed with infotainment? It was it was terrible if the news person became the news. They were there to report the news, to get answers, to to relay information, not become the topic of the news. But this has been all turned on its head in the last decade. Yes. Where you know, you'll have someone like a Bill O'Reilly give an interview with the president. Then he'll bring in his cohorts afterwards and ask everyone not about what the president said, but, hey, how'd I do? How's that question? Wasn't I awesome? <laughs> yes. You know, me, me, me. I'm a huge personality. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I loved your Bill O'Reilly. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. So we are we're going to wait on the on the whomever it's going to be. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about some other things. In the meantime, I have a little story for you. Oh, yes. A little story about a company. Let's. Let's call them Horizon. Oh, so we're going to talk about mega corporations. Mega corporations. So, and we'll be nice. We'll, we'll, we'll not name names. We'll just call them Horizon. Now, I was going to say this is a massive gear shift from what we talked about last hour, but really not because GOP and now we're going to talk about mega corporations. They're pretty much one and the same. They are. So these, these, this segues very nicely. Danielle. They are. So we've all been in the boat of having a problem with our cable power Phone service, one of the one package the, being delivered. Package being delivered. We've all sat on hold for hours. We've all, you know, complained to supervisors, etc. Yeah. And Shane and I had just such a problem this week, so much of a problem that 
I believe, at least four hours of our time, at least, yes. uh, not counting the day uh, that we were waiting for Horizon the, to show up. The 13-hour window yes. they gave us. The 13-hour window. We'll, we'll be there sometime, you know, in the next, you know, six and a half years. Right. Uh, we, hours on hold. Uh, essentially, we got home one day. The power had been knocked out. It took out our, our cable internet. Okay, we got the power situation. Which is important. Which which is important. Got that situated. And then said, wait, the cable and internet isn't working. And uh, And now when it came to to cable television, so so what? what? But internet? But yeah, for work. I mean, we do a lot of work. We have a home studio. I mean, or just to play my video games. Just just to be able to, you know, play on Facebook, communicate. Uh, Internet was out. Oh, my goodness. Cue the the scream. We all know. I'm sure you don't have it up right now, but cue the screen. Anyhow, uh, end up calling this company sitting on hold with Horizon for an hour the first time to find out that the box that brings these services into our home had been fried in the storm that took out the power. They had to come out and replace it. That was the first call. Second call, trying to get somebody to come out and replace it. Third call, etc. Four hours later, we get an appointment for several days from then. Mm-hmm. In which they said, you have to be home, I am not joking, from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. on right. a Saturday. And you better be there when we provide service. And the guy on the phone had the audacity to tell me <laughs> that, and the problem better be what you say it is. Otherwise, when we get there, we're going to charge you for showing up. So they're going to charge me for the four hours I've spent on the phone and the 13 hours that we've now given up of our weekend. And the thing is... I know, sadly, this is pretty standard procedure. This is what people all over the country, maybe it's a different company. It may be their power instead of their... It could be something far, far more important. If you are someone who, for example, needs some kind of medical device and you're dealing with a power company. Right. You know, I mean, internet, not the end of the world, but we're, our conversation is really about these mega corporations. Exactly. And, and how they essentially treat the American public like garbage right. on a daily basis and get away with it, and why they're right. able to do this. And the fact that we are awaiting to find out which 10 people are going to go on a stage on Thursday night and tell us all about how government should be ran like a business. Right. Really? Right. Like this? Right. This is the America you envision? This is the United States that you dream of? That that U.S. citizens are told to waste days and hours of their lives to get a basic service that we pay for? Right. This isn't we're this isn't welfare. This isn't food stamps, Republicans. This isn't uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, non-existent abortions. This is services that we pay for. Where is the free market that they are talking about? Right. Where and this, is, and this it? is the party that says, well, you 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 certainly would rather deal with UPS than the DMV. And I'll tell you, last week I would have much rather dealt with the IRS and the DMV than to dealt with Horizon. Yeah. Give me the IRS any day. In fact, I've spoken to them many times throughout my life, and they are very nice people. Right. Very so nice the, So this whole meme out there that, that, that private corporations do things better, I would say that small mom-and-pop businesses, do which, we awesome try to, which we try to frequent as much as possible around here, uh, music stores we go to, electronic stores, things like that, um, they do an amazing job, the small businesses, but they are so crushed by these giant ones. And the reason the giant ones can do it is because they're giant. Right. Because you don't have a choice. And when you call someone and you have a complaint, the person you're talking to is not the cause of the complaint. 
So you're always saying, I realize this isn't your fault, but. But you can never talk to the person whose fault it is. Right. Because it's an entire system. And they specifically don't care about complaints. In fact, I have a, a, a beautifully written article here from Lauren Williams over at the Think Progress, Progress blog entitled, Telecom lobbyists ignore 2,000 FCC complaints, demand government undo net neutrality in the lawsuit. Yes, because this is what companies like Horizon, or like all the others that we've experienced, do with complaints. They ignore them. Because they can. Because they can. Because the people in charge of regulating them, of making sure that they treat U.S. citizens or immigrants, I don't... I don't care that they treat people with a bare minimum of respect and give them a bare minimum of service. Well, the, the whole theory was that, the, that this market would, would encourage a bunch of competitors, right. competitors, meaning that they would they would try to one up the service to we, the American people, and therefore service would naturally go up because they wanted to do it better than the company next to them. Well, at the same time, they may spout this type of rhetoric. They allow this massive consolidation. So that you essentially have one or two choices. You have duopolies in most of our major industries, whether it be transportation, uh, of course, you know, electricity and things like that are natural monopolies, uh, telecom, banking, uh, food. You know, all of these major things are, are, are held by a handful of companies, so they aren't actually competing. Healthcare, another huge merger coming up. Right. So that they don't have to worry about this. So therefore, we actually need our government to get in between them, to regulate them. And I, I would say go further than I don't care if they treat me like a human being. Break them up into a million people pieces. Right. They did this with AT&T in the 1970s. It needs to be done a lot right now. Right. And we, we just had a pretty big success in the victory of net neutrality. Yes. You know, uh, 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 I can't even remember his name um, right now. The uh, Wheeler. Thank you. Tom Wheeler, uh, chairman of the FCC, came you know, surprised everybody by Full coming circle. out with some some strong regulations that that carriers should be regulated under common carrier regulations. Meaning- and most importantly, saying that the internet is a basic necessity and a, a basic service, almost like electricity and telephone in this day and age. It is not a luxury any longer that in order to function in our our economic system, that an internet is actually almost almost absolutely necessary. Right, and people should not have to spend four hours on the phone, and 13 hours of their weekend to get that basic service. Right. Not especially when they're paying for it. Yet we, we get this small victory, right. you know, sure. and yet the lobbyists oh, for sure. companies like Horizon, mm-hmm. they are not too happy with the bare minimum of regulations that have been enacted. In fact, Shane, get ready for this one. Oh, no. Hold on to your seat. The lobbyist, which is the Wireless Association, abbreviated CTIA, cellular telephone, they say that the net neutrality rulings, quote, broadband, broadband providers must be able to manage usage so that all consumers have the highest quality experience, mm. that they need to undo net neutrality because that's the real reason. Let us regulate it because the way we are going to self-regulate will be far better for the consumer <laughs> than it. And and if you could point to a situation where that has ever happened, where we allowed an industry to regulate itself and that it regulated itself for the benefit of the American public, I would love to see that example. Yes, because it doesn't exist. Highest quality experience. I almost fell out of my chair when I well, read that. Well, if you're only comparing your, yourself against one other company, 
big deal. You're right. number you're number one of two. Right. My comment after that lovely experience was that the company that actually gets number one worst in customer service every year, which is Comcast, I said, I think that they must have kicked a blind puppy in order to actually get that distinction because it's unbelievable how bad other companies can be, and yet it is just fine. You don't see, you won't see a single one of these Republicans in Thursday's debate say, you know what? It's unacceptable that a company that is given the privilege of doing business in the United States treats my constituents this way because they don't care, because their constituent is the company. Right. And uh, let's, let's, let's you know, get out of telecom and internet here. Let's talk about airplanes. Airplanes. Right. Do, do you remember the diagram? I, I bet you everyone's seen it so far. Of the, this new patent that's been filed for how to seat people in an airplane? Yes. Where you essentially are packed in like, you know, every other person, like sardines looking straight at somebody. Right. Um, Think th- a zipper. Yeah. A Think zipper a zipper. Of you know, how that works. So this is th- these are the decisions that are made by these mega corporations. When there's one or two of them, they, they pretty much, with a wink and a nod, can conspire. So we'll say we'll all give everyone lousy service, so therefore we don't have to give any service whatsoever. And then we'll essentially divide up the market, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and we'll make billions of dollars doing it. Right. And when anybody successfully implements even the bare minimum of regulation. Based on millions and millions and millions of Americans' comments and suggestions and hopes for this. They will tie it up in litigation for the next decade. Or at least until the next until yep. the next Republican Congress and and president who can then put a you know a you know a nice conservative on the, the head of the FCC <laughs> exactly. to reverse them before they ever have a problem. So in just a moment we're going to speak with uh, Tim Carr of freepress.net, one of the groups that has been working on this such issue for quite some time. But I also want to hear from you. Shane and I would love to know your experience. In our case, our heavily regulated power company was a breeze to work with. Yep. How does your government first business experience relate? Give us a call. 888-6LESLIE. We'll be back with Tim Carr of Free Press right after this. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLIE. Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today, and we are joined now by Timothy Carr, who builds on Free Press's grassroots and policy work to advance the organization's strategic goals and reach new communities. Before joining Pre- Free Press, Tim served as executive director of MediaChannel.org and vice president of Global Vision New Media. Uh, Tim, your, your bio goes on here, uh, but we only have a few minutes this first segment, so I will finish that in the next. Thank sure. you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, big, huge fan of you, of Free Press, of everything that you guys do and that you're still doing, unbeknownst to so many people. I thought net neutrality was a done deal. Apparently, I'm wrong. Can you explain? Well, as as uh, it goes in Washington, there are never any final victories. We, in February of this year, scored a very significant uh, advancement, I would say, in the fight for an open Internet when millions of people 
more than 4 million people wrote the Federal Communications Commission and convinced that agency to put in place a real net neutrality rule. And at the time, this was about a little more than four months ago, uh, people saw this as one of the more significant public policy victories uh, in recent history. Millions of people spoke out on behalf of an open Internet, and we fought a very entrenched and powerful corporate lobby uh, consisting of phone and cable companies like Comcast and AT&T, and we actually convinced, convinced bureaucrats in Washington, uh, members of a federal agency, to rule in our favor. Uh, so that was a, a moment to celebrate, and we did celebrate. But as with the phone and cable lobby, these things never end, uh, end uh, in such a, a way they have unleashed legions of lawyers and lobbyists, and, and over the past several months they've been basically throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks in order to try to reverse this net neutrality win and to get rid of any rules that would protect Internet users from censorship, um, from blocking, or any, way, any type of interference or degrading of our ability to use the Internet to connect and communicate with one another. Now, you say they've been throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks. I, I think that's a pretty uh, apt description. Correct me if I'm wrong, but back when this uh, this fight was going on in December, January, you know, uh, a few months ago, their biggest claim, telecom speaking in general, was that we will never block content that, uh, you know, it, we don't monitor the content. We're not going to uh, uh, limit your ability to review things, yet that's exactly the argument that they're making now, that it is within their free speech rights to block whatever content that they want. Am I misinterpreting something? Please tell me I'm misinterpreting <laughs> no, something. In, in fact, yes, you know, it, one of the many things that they've thrown against the wall is this somewhat Orwellian argument that uses the First Amendment to justify their ability to censor Internet users. What what they've argued uh, in a recent court challenge, in a brief that's been filed, and this has been argued by Verizon and AT&T and some of the bigger phone and cable companies out there, is that the First Amendment gives corporations the right to act as though they, as the Internet's editors. That is, they have a right to decide what kind of speech goes over their networks. And in doing so, that allows them to block and censor any of our speech. And we've countered that argument, which is completely ridiculous, to say that they are not, they're not publishers. That your Internet access provider isn't like a newspaper that has a First Amendment right to decide what goes on its pages. It's more like a messenger. It carries our messengers from one end to the other. And as we know with the post office or other messengers, they can't open up our packages, look at what we've written, rewrite them, tear them up, throw them up or throw them out or do anything with our messages and claim that the First Amendment gives them the right to do that. It's a ridiculous argument, but as I said, that you know they are willing to, to do anything in order to try to defeat this principal rule of the Internet that, that lets Internet users decide what they do and where they go, what they share, and who they connect with online. Doesn't this disprove, uh, yeah, we only have a, a 30 seconds or so left in this segment, but doesn't this disprove exactly what they spent the last year arguing, that they said they weren't going to do this, and now they're using this as their essential argument? 
yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll argue anything. And even though they said that they've never violated net neutrality, we have a long history of net neutrality violations from the likes of Comcast, Verizon, and AT&T that's very well documented. I mean, they will say anything in order to try to get their way. And it so, does so, not. Yeah. So just re- we have to remain vigilant. We have to keep keep fighting them. Uh, you know, we had a big win earlier this year, but but we need to keep on keeping on to make yep. sure. And we it- and we will. We're going to be back with more Tim Carr of Free Press in just a second. Leslie Marshall Show. Stick around. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano, and we are still joined by the one and only Timothy Carr, uh, Free Press, freepress.net. He has also worked extensively as an editor, reporter, and photojournalist for the Associate Press, Time, and New York Times, uh, as well as critiques, analyzes, and reports on media and media policy for the Huffington Post and his personal blog, Media Citizen. I learned something new from Leslie's producers there, Tim. I'm going to have to check out your personal blog. Very exciting stuff. Great. (laughs) We're talking about uh, net neutrality, which I think most people think is a done deal uh, is no longer a concern, but it is still being fought in the courts. Telecoms still want the power to uh, decide what we can, can't see, and at what speeds. And Tim, you, your organization, and many like you are fighting that. Uh, uh, we, we talked a little bit about the lawsuit going on. What do you think is the likelihood that this could succeed? We do have a history of a pro-business court. Well, um, it, there have been uh, a number of lawsuits related to net neutrality in the open Internet over the past, and, and we've learned from some of those. And, the, you know, there was a, an effort in 2010 by the FCC to protect the open Internet, but they wrote that rule under a wrong, the wrong part of the Communications Act. The Communications Act is the, is the document, is the, is the legislation that was passed by bipartisan Congress that sort of lays out all of the rules affecting media and communications policy in the United States. And what um, the FCC did in 2014 and 2015 with this new rule is that they stuck very close to the language that's in the Communications Act. That the, the, the FCC is a federal agency, and really all it gets to do is interpret the laws that Congress has passed. It can't really write its own laws. It's, it's forbidden from doing that. So they stuck very close to that. Uh, they they were looking at a segment of the Communications Act that that said that the FCC, if it treats Internet access providers as telecommunications services, um, has the ability to make sure that anybody who uses these networks can connect with anybody else on the network, that the, the Internet service provider is simply a common carrier, which is a very fairly um, – um, uh, is a term in telecommunications policy that has a long history um, that's very legally sound. A common carrier is much like a telephone company. If we're speaking by the, tele- by the telephone and you dial my phone number, the telephone company has to connect you to my phone number. It can't redirect your call somewhere else. It can't block it in any way. And we or charge you more that, to make that particular call. That's right. We've right. argued that Internet access providers are, are common carriers as well. When you go online and you say, Hey, I want to go um, uh, to uh, Barnes and Noble to order a book. You can't say, "Oh, well, we have a special deal with Amazon.com. We're going to redirect you 
uh, to Amazon.com away from BarnesandNoble.com. So you get to decide basically what services, what sites you go to, and they cannot interfere in any way. And that's that's the fundamental principle that has made the open internet so important to people because it's allowed us to control our own media experience. And that's when someone says the internet is revolutionary, that is exactly what they mean. It takes the ha- control over the media out of the hands of gatekeepers, large companies, and puts them in the hands of internet users, which which, you know, given the importance that media are to a functioning democracy, it's a really important principle. Now, we've had in, say, the, the past decade, a lot of uh, precedent set legally about corporate personhood. Obviously, this goes you know way back into the Supreme Court cases. But recently, we've had Citizens United. We've had Hobby Lobby and, and corporations being able to essentially hold a religion. I'm using very, very loose yep. terms here. Uh, and um, more recently. Is that precedent a possible factor in a ruling here that now legally courts see corporations more as people with uh, the the basic rights that we think of that are unique to human beings, like in this case, they're arguing for free speech? Well, you know, the the FCC decision that was made uh, this February is being challenged in the courts by the phone and cable company, and they're using similar arguments I think they're looking at that history of judicial decisions and thinking that there's a possibility that this case, the case that they brought against the FCC, might go to a Supreme Court that has ruled in favor of corporations in the past. So they've made this First Amendment argument that, you know, says, you know, the First Amendment, you know, is, as much as corporations are persons, the First Amendment protects their right um, to uh, do whatever they want with their networks, that is, even including editing and, and censoring Internet users. But there's also a long legal history that says that they are not um, publishers in that sense, that they get those First Amendment protections, but they're messengers that have to have to carry messages without interfering them. And there's, there's a long legal precedence there. So we're fairly confident that the FCC built this ruling on a very sound legal foundation uh, and that these types of arguments from from the phone and cable lobby and the, and the lawyers won't withstand that type of judicial scrutiny. Right. Uh, two points stand out, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Number one, we have the ability to regulate speech. So even if this is corporate speech, you know, we we can say that you can't uh, defame somebody, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, you can't threaten another individual. Those are all regulations on speech. And then also, I don't see how they make this argument without saying that corporate speech is more valuable and more uh, just than our own human speech, uh, than the information that they are looking to possibly block or buffer or charge more for. Is there any way that they can form that argument without running up uh, against one of those issues? Uh, they will be debating those issues. I mean, the, the, the real question here is, is who is the First Amendment meant to protect? The First Amendment is meant to protect speakers um, from this type of censorship. And when we look at what the dominant form of media today, how billions of people, we now have, you know, worldwide more than a billion people on the Internet, but in the United States there are hundreds of millions of people uh, that use the Internet. They are the speakers that need to be protected here, and the Internet service providers are, are simply a service that enables the speech of others. They've tried to turn that up, upside down and say that the Internet is not – an essential service. It's not something that is important to enabling 
the speech of a diversity of people in the United States, but it's simply a business. And as owners of that business, they have the right to control anything that goes across that network. And that argument has, has failed in the past because the, when you look at these services, they're more that we're, it's more than they're not simply selling us toasters. They're acting, <laughs> the Internet is part of an essential infrastructure in the, in the United States. In many ways, it's a utility that serves the public good. And the service that it provides us is the ability to connect and communicate uh, without interference. So as long as, as Congress and the courts understand that the Internet has that special status, I think those types of First Amendment arguments will, will favor the speakers on the Internet, that is, the people who use it, like you and me, and not the companies that simply provide access for those speakers. Now, before you came on at the beginning of this hour, uh, we were talking about a horrible experience we've had recently with one of these huge uh, media monopolies. So my next question, forgive me, is a bit of a pipe dream, but is there any chance that these companies will ever be broken up, that we'll ever see, you know, the Ma Bell, Baby Bell situation with the Comcast, the AT&T, the Verizon? Is there any hope for that in the future, or am I just really angry with my cable provider? Well, you know, we've had, <laughs> we have a history of consolidation that's been occurring in media, and, you know, the sort of media consolidation that we were seeing maybe 10, 20 years ago were newspaper companies buying up uh, television broadcasting and movie studios. You have like companies like News Corp uh, that control the whole universe of television, movie production, newspaper. But the new face of media consolidation are the type of mergers that we just saw recently. AT&T uh, purchased DirecTV. Comcast made a bid to purchase Time Warner Cable. It's a consolidation of new media. It's a consolidation of Internet providers. And, and it's gotten to a point where um, the majority of broadband users in the United States have only one uh, choice for broadband services of a certain speed. And so we have seen this sort of rising monopoly. And in most cases, it's, it's your local cable company. Uh, the phone companies increasingly are getting out of the business of wired line Internet access and focusing on the wireless work. So when you have those types of monopolies and you have this trend of consolidation, there certainly is a role for the Department of Justice and its, its antitrust division to step in and decide that this, that companies like Comcast, for example, have gotten too big, they control too much of the market, there's not enough competition, and it's not in the public interest, and to do something. So I think, I think it's not going to happen tomorrow. But if this trend of consolidation continues, it's, it's likely um, with some uh, real good organizing uh, and a lot of focus on this work to see that kind of antitrust action happen in the not-too-distant future. Well, and while uh, I keep dreaming, and hopefully we all keep working towards that uh, uh, delightful goal, I think it would be wonderful to see mom-and-pop organizations actually run media, run companies like this again, and what it would do for customer service and quality. But while we keep working for that, what can we do to help free press and everybody working to protect this net neutrality ruling and protect free and open Internet that's being challenged once again? How do we help you, Tim? Well, we have a, a lot of tools. Uh, we have a lot of information uh, at our website, freepress.net. If you want to learn more about it, you can go there and you can read up on things. There are, there are actions you can take that would let you, would help you uh, reach out to your member of Congress, 
um, or organize others in your community on this issue. There, and there's a whole range of issues that are tied to this that, um, that you can get involved with to make sure that we have affordable, open uh, Internet access for everyone. Yep. You guys are doing amazing work. I am always impressed, honored, and uh, just so blessed to get to speak with you. Thank you so much for everything you do and everything you're doing for this entire country, Tim. Well, thanks for having me on your show. It's the Leslie Marshall Show, but I'm glad to sit in for for today. Tim Carr of Free Press, press freepress.net. Let's keep the Internet free and open. Freepress.net. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Danielle and Shano taking your calls next. Stick around. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the last few minutes of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle in with Shano, sitting in for Leslie Marshall, still waiting, Yes, by the actually, way. there's a Chiron on up here saying oh. the top ten candidates for Fox News primetime to be, to dun, be announced dun, soon. soon. In other words, keep watching. Keep watching, and it'll probably be after we get off the air. So you'll By have whoever to, you're listening right now, keep listening, because I bet you the next show's going to talk about it. I bet it. you the next show will probably have with, the list. To heck with Fox News. Don't watch That's them. right. Don't do it. That's right. I know we've stopped. We, we do have one caller who had some thoughts on uh, net neutrality. Let's go with Todd in Tacoma on Line 5. Todd, thanks for hanging out with us. Sure. Um, I got Comcasted um, <laughs> this, this week. Yes, I called this week to see if I could uh, add MSNBC and a sports channel to my basic package um, through Comcast. And uh, they said, well, let me check the costs. And, and this was after I waited for 30 minutes but um, on hold. And then she came back and she said, well, we can do that. You pay $35 a month right now. But we can add that channel for – it'll be $57. And I was like, oh, there's no way. Total so or in addition to? Um, I said, are you, uh, are you here in the U.S.? I just wanted to see if uh, Mr. Comcast himself was a patriotic American. And no, she's not. She was uh, calling from a, a different country. Um, and I say that we uh, do a call to action and switch from Comcast to uh, whatever you can if you have that choice, like we did with the credit union um, switching from the banks. See, see that's I, the I, issue. I that's like the issue. There is no one else to uh, – trust me, I've done my research over the last week after dealing with this saying, okay, to heck with them both. I'm going to go get something else, whether it be satellite or local – are there any local companies? And we live in a relatively metro, you know, a big metropolitan area here in the D.C. area. You know, we don't live in D.C., but we're inside the Beltway. No. In terms of something that's high speed, I mean, we could get something that was like seven down and one up. Yeah. Uh, you know, essentially just a step above dial-up uh, from these smaller companies because you have these giant companies that own the infrastructure that we've – a lot of it we've paid for through the Telecommunication X funding. And they dominate it, and they no one, there's barriers to entry. So it's it's really tough. I totally get you know the the sentiment like with the credit unions. I wish there was a credit union equivalent of the telecom companies. Yeah. That's for darn sure, man. But I well, we do have one here in Tacoma. We do have one that I haven't switched to, and it's owned by Tacoma uh, City. It's a, awesome. a utility. Yeah, it's a, a click and um, or yeah, click network and. 
It's just um, I haven't switched. I mean, See, that's that's yeah, amazing. There, are, think, there are a lot of municipalities that are doing this now. Yeah, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee yeah. now has you know uh, municipal broadband. Which is just like there's some places that have municipal power. Right. I grew up in Fairport, New York. Municipal power. Actually, every property owner owned the power company. The rates were like a third of RG&E, which is Rochester Gas and Electric. If they were to do the same thing with internet, the same thing with phones, same thing with water. I realize it's 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 all socialisty, but you know when you have a mega corporation taking, I will tell you on broadband. We looked this up; they're making a ninety-five percent profit, ninety-five percent profit on broadband. Are you kidding me? What if we wipe that away? Can you imagine paying one? What would that be? One twentieth? No, less than that. Well, about that in 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 your cable bill, in your internet provider bill. But you have these lobbyists, the same ones that are fighting net neutrality, going out and trying to get the states to pass laws banning, banning municipal the, from broadcast. doing that. It's and, amazing. And Todd, you also brought up another uh, major point, uh, becoming less so because of the lineup changes. But if you, in your basic package, I would bet my left arm that you get Fox News, but I you do. have to pay. You right, you lost your left arm. No, you, you, you are right. It, yeah. it, that, I asked her, I said, could you block Fox News for me? And she just <laughs> laughed. <laughs> yeah, you but know. you get Fox News and you don't get uh, MSNBC. And, and Comcast owns MSNBC. Is that ironic? But they won't give it to me. I never even thought of that. It is really ironic. I've never that, thought about that. Yes, they do. They do. That is the truth. They so all they would that. have to do is put something in the books, just shifting some money where you're not actually even shifting the money. Right. It would make it part of the basic right. package. Right. Wow. And, and now I, I have to say more yeah. and more these days it's it's irrelevant. But it you know think about the debates this presidential season and and Todd think about how many people with your cable bill your plan will see only one side of every single political issue. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Regardless and of where you, you guys, Go ahead. You guys have are, are legitimately using the internet for your business. But that doesn't, you know, that's another thing. I think it should be a utility. It should be a common utility, just like water power. It should, uh, you, Internet access should be a utility for people, for small businesses. If the Republicans care about small businesses, that should be part of the plan. Yep. Amen. You know what? Free, free Internet is what I say. Todd, excellent <laughs> point. Thank you or so make, much. Make Internet, again, part of the commons, just yeah. like our water is, just yeah. like it should be. <laughs> yes. yes, Todd, thank okay. you. Thank you very much. All excellent points, and thank you for the call. You know, uh, Internet should be part of the commons. It's, you can't survive these days without it, and you shouldn't have to go to your local library. Uh, well, you have some thoughts on free speech before we – the First well, Amendment. Before well, the, we run the out First of time. Amendment it seems to be the most bastardized recently, and, and probably go back, going back quite a bit in history. Uh, using the First Amendment as this this sword, uh, it was used in the civil rights realm to to essentially say we can discriminate. That's our First Amendment, right? And it's being used for that purpose using, again, being all used, over. Used right now, it is absolutely ridiculous to say that a cable company can look at your internet and and censor it based on the First Amendment. That's their speech, or they're not speaking. Uh, what if your phone company were to listen to your phone call, say, "I don't like what you're talking about," click and disconnect you, mm-hmm. or whatever you're talking about, we're going to charge you double. That's what they're – it's a ridiculous argument. And if you want the worst example of the First Amendment used in a legal realm, <laughs> Seattle has increased its minimum wage to $15 an hour, Danielle. All right? One of the lawsuits, I kid you not, is uh, the fast food companies suing over the higher minimum wage saying, because we have to pay our workers more, we have less money that we would use to spend on political campaigns. Yeah. Thus – 
impeding on our Citizens United right to spend unlimited funds on politicians. Maybe we, along with, you know, fine folks out there like Todd, uh, could form a class action lawsuit. Because when we're, you know, in our community, we have one, maybe two choices for broadband Internet. Yes. We've we've decided uh, 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 Tom Wheeler said Internet is a common carrier. It's regulated uh, under Title II. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's a necessity. So I'm being forced to spend my money with one or two companies. And by the way, you're being forced to sign a contract. Yes. Uh. And that thus limits me from being able to have free speech by where I – what if I wanted to spend my money, uh, my speech, according to the courts – with another company. I can't. I don't have that option. Well, luckily you have a place like this where you can speak. Yes. Thanks yes. to Leslie Marshall and the crew. you have great folks who uh, use Comcast as a verb now. You've been Comcasted. <laughs> we can all think of our own. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, so much fun sitting in for Leslie and such an honor. Thanks very much to Steve and Andrew and Mark, if you're listening, for uh, uh, being such excellent producers. We'll be back with you guys Friday. Leslie will be back before you know it. This is The Leslie Marshall Show. Thanks so much.